can you say some things into the laptop? Though? Yes, I cannot find the John Roderick, the John Roderick, um, but I want to do it for you, for the fans. Welcome back to the Raising Helmix podcast emergency edition. Okay, I found it. He did delete his account. Kyle's trying Kokito for the first time. There's a lot going on. <laughs> it's a big <laughs> night for us. Emergency podcasts are here for a reason. While I try it, can you explain what Kokito is? Okay, so from my understanding, it's kind of like eggnog, but it's very coconutty. Mm-hmm. Instead of milk and eggs, it's mm-hmm. coconut milk, coconut cream, um, rum, some vanilla and spices. Are you getting the rum? Yes, I am. Okay, good. Yeah, so it took me, the first taste I hated it, the second taste I was confused by it, and now I like it. Like yeah. It, I had to calibrate what I was drinking. You're a big eggnog guy, but this is um, Puerto Rican kind of style eggnog, I guess, and it's a different. Oh, yeah, and there's like actual coconut in it, and it all gets blended together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of coconut generally, but... This is a good way of having it, I think. Yeah, if you're going to chew a drink, this is a good way to do it. <laughs> that does make it sound like a bad thing. <laughs> you know what I want to do is um, Bloody Mary. I thought I might make them on Christmas, and I forgot. Do those have coconut? No. Okay. Just speaking of drinks that can that kind of have a some quality gotcha. to them. <laughs> yeah. I watched a YouTube video today where someone made a Bloody Mary uh, one-handed. And she put, like, a whole pepper on top, and she, like, rimmed it with salt and um, chili powder. And she actually used a whole, like, she put a grilled cheese on top as, like, a garnish. And, of course, the celery. It's like a whole meal in the drink. That's wild. She did it one-handed, yeah. Yeah. It's like a challenge video. (laughs) (laughs) This This poor lady got her own YouTube, but she has to do exclusively weird stunts. She seemed like she's having a good time. She was drinking a Bloody Mary. <laughs> anyway, this emergency cast is beaming out to you from our living room in order to discuss uh, Can Opener Dad, a.k.a. Bean Dad, a.k.a. John Roderick. A.k.a. Six Hour Dad. Six Hour Dad. This is a family cast, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get through it. All right. So, if you aren't on Twitter, the situation is that this guy did, like, 40 tweets about this thing that happened with his kid, where she came to him that she was hungry, and he was busy doing a puzzle, and so he told her, as he apparently was told, like, when he was a kid, to, like, go into the kitchen and heat up some beans. Yeah, go make go make yourself some food. Beans are easy. You probably yeah. won't bring down the house. Later, he claims that beans were the only thing in the pantry. Which is a... There are, like, several indicators that there are bigger problems going on. Well, there's just a lot of sort of conflicting information. Like, one is that they don't really eat beans and don't like them. And then you also hear that beans were the only thing in the pantry. Well, that would make sense. The the thing you don't like would be the last thing left. It might, but it's sort of random that that's the first thing he went to then. I think, and... um, We're already litigating this. We're already off It's really important that we come to a decision on whether Bean Dad is good (laughs) Or bad, hot or not, hot or not. <laughs> guilty or innocent. Those are all three different questions, though. <laughs> uh, and and uh, what? Well, the important you... thing is that um, this guy is known for being in a band called the Long Winters. I haven't heard of them. He's also known for hosting a bunch of podcasts. One of his podcast co-hosts is Ken Jennings, 
who is slated to uh, take up hosting Jeopardy after Alex Trebek, Eternal Rest, grant him and may perpetual light shine upon him, uh, has passed away. And um, so really, by association, if this, if this bean dad turns out to be bad news, then Jeopardy itself is canceled. I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, those are the, what those is, are the stakes today. What is, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, and what's important to remember, though, is that the Helmix cut through all of the crap. So it's, despite having decided to do a whole podcast on this topic, we do not know who this guy is. We do not care who this guy is. No, we're just going to report out the facts. All we care about is... And then we're going to make a judgment. <laughs> all dads must be judged. <laughs> and here we are, ready to judge one. Anyway, that's definitely been the consensus of the internet because everybody has done a thread about what this says about our society or parenting or the state of children or whatever. There, It's important to... A couple things. This girl is nine. She apparently begins this entire story already hungry. When a kid says they're hungry, it could mean a lot of different things. It could mean they want attention or they're bored. By the age of nine, it probably means they're hungry or peckish. But anyway, dad says, go open a can of beans. She brings him the can opener and the beans, asks him to do it. He realizes that he's never taught her how to open a can of beans before. And so he immediately adopts the Socratic method <laughs> and <laughs> like begins you do. interrogating her about can openers and beans. So, so far, so far he's done nothing wrong. Yeah, I mean, actually, I kind of liked, um, so he goes a little bit insane right at the beginning where <laughs> he says, what kind of apocalypse father didn't teach his kid how to use a manu- manual can opener. So he's okay. already he's already feeling a little bit insecure from the beginning. All right. I, I have I have nothing but sympathy for that part of him, though. Yeah. Because Apocalypse Dad is a type of dad, and it's a perfectly respectable <laughs> type of dad, although there are subtypes that are unrespectable. That's fair. I get hives at the idea of allowing any child ever to use a can opener that's not one of those safety ones that unseals the can because I cut my thumb really badly, probably around a, the age of nine. On a regular can opener? On a regular... Well, on, oh, on the on sharp... The, on yeah. the lid after I opened oh, that's it. That's a good point. Well, um, I will, I'll wait till later then to tell you what I did. <laughs> and it's one of my most vivid injury memories of like looking down at my thumb and seeing it go from looking oh, like man. a normal thumb. All right. Anyway. Trigger warning. Anyway, so he decides he's going to teach her how to use the can opener... And he starts Which by you, saying... I would also say I would be embarrassed, but not too embarrassed if my child at nine didn't know how to open a can opener. Yeah, it's not right. a big deal. Yeah. All right. So far, so far, not guilty. She might not even be a cat lady. <laughs> she might oh, not need to open cans. Open cans. Yeah. Got it. All right. So I said, anyway, quoting from this guy. So I said, how do you think this works? She studied it and applied it to the top of the can sideways. She struggled for a while and with a big dramatic sigh said, will you please just open the can? Apocalypse Dad was overjoyed. A teaching moment just dropped in my lap. So this is tweet three of what turns out to be like 40. I said, the little device is designed to do one thing. Open cans. Study the parts. Study the can. Figure out what the can opener inventor was thinking when they tried to solve this problem. So I actually like the approach that he's taking here because... I like thinking about like machines and devices that way too. And I think um, it's a funny, it's an interesting way of looking at the world. And I think a lot of um, helpful information opens itself up to you when you start thinking that way. Um, 
I'm not going to quote from the whole thread, but it basically <laughs> it basically gets into a lot of theatrics from both of them, where she gets really upset, and he's he's um, feeling kind of by turns like happy that he's doing so good at a job at teaching her, and then like frustrated that she's not getting it yet, and then so to so to and be then clear. he starts to feel bad because he realizes she's like missing some key information. So just to be clear, though, he so he never he never tells her anything beyond this tool has one purpose, and it's to open cans. And so analyze the purpose to figure it out. And it takes I think I said nine hours, but I think it was four hours. Well, eventually she gets tired and she goes and does other stuff, okay. and then keeps coming back to the can, and it gets like increasingly kind of warped, and the and label he, gets ripped off. And he says, "You're not eating. I'm not eating." And that's, that's, yeah, that's the moment where I think he loses a lot of people is that when she, she kind of loses her temper over it, which is like understandable. She's nine years old. He, he then digs in further and says that neither of them are going to eat until they've got this can open. And that's, I think that's the part, that's the part where he loses me for sure. Right. Cause if you're like, if you're like, I don't know, the, the moment you make access to food dependent on a child doing anything, then you have, you know done something outside of your what the one thing you're required to do as a parent right Mm -hmm. yeah and eventually like she does kind of figure it out I'm not sure how many hints he gives her (coughs) he might give her one or two when she's like the implication the implication they're small hints very small hints yeah Yeah. um and then then there's like eight tweets devoted to her process of actually getting the can open and how proud he is and how this can opener is now going to like stand for so much in their relationship and they're always going to go back to this moment and, he, and then I I laughed because at the end his, his last tweet is the only problem is now she wants to open every can in the house <laughs> yeah. which I think is funny and I think it's um I think that's kind of a, a hidden piece of information here which is that if if this um well anyway to give the broader context the internet just lost its mind I didn't read this thread until the very end of the day but from practically this morning, I was seeing people referencing can opener dad or bean dad. Well, so there, there's important. <laughs> it was built up to truly monstrous proportions in my expectations. It, it was it was ultimately a letdown based on the the thing is that the internet likes to likes to talk about one thing and like do every meme they can and then forget about it. And yeah, we've that's been true. we've been due for a while, and everybody's sort of pent up. Well, yeah, um, we were looking for the first main character of Twitter to kick off 2021. And so the, One of the wisest tweets ever, I forget who tweeted it, is that every day there's a new main character of Twitter and the goal is to never be it. It's never good to be the main character of Twitter for the day where yeah. everybody knows about you because it's never for a good reason. Yeah. Um, but it's everyone, everyone enjoys it um, all the same because then there's something that everyone feels it's important that they give their opinion on. And for many people who did many long threads, it's that this guy is proud of how much he's abusing his child, that children don't learn when they're hungry. He made her go six hours without food. He's a monster. And he should have his kids taken away or whatever. And I've got to say, I'm not on their side here. Um, In the end... When she is now eager to try opening every can in the house, that tells me that this was not necessarily that traumatic of an experience for her. Here, so here, here to me, <laughs> to me, um, 
the reason why I feel like he deserves everybody being mad at him is because he was the narrator of the story and he chose to tell the story and he chose it in a way which exaggerated key details. And there's Yeah, some... he's a huge blowhard and he kind of admits that. And if you're going to exaggerate details that make it sound like you're abusing your child, you deserve everybody coming after you for abusing your child. There are enough hints in the story to indicate that this is just sort of a dad story, right? Where he's like, and we persevered. Yeah, he's got some level of dysfunction. He admits that, like, he never persevered on anything as a kid. So he's, like, trying to live vicariously through making sure his kid perseveres no matter what or whatever. I think So he's got his own dysfunctions, and he kind of admits them, but it's not in a very satisfying way. You don't come away thinking he's learned his lesson. You come away thinking, like, he feels this was a great parenting move and it's it's going to go down in history as one of the greatest dad moments of all time. Uh, pretty epic bacon type, type I, ideas here. No, nobody forced you to use that phrase. <laughs> no, it's uh, a way of describing how people... Yeah, no, um, I am... Yes, I think we all still remember 2009. Using uh, it ironically. So, so I, think, I think what's... Um, I think there's like a sort of parent meme that's like less whining, more wine, um, where, where they, they like to complain about their kids or like brag about stupid things they do as a parent, um, that non-parents get, can get pretty offended by, especially like sort of the trad Christians mm-hmm. who are just like, can't wait to get myself a half dozen, um, and are sort of offended by anybody who talks about their children as anything other than like a gift, right? Yeah. If you're flippant about it. And then that circles around, right, to where that being flippant is the only cool way to talk about your kids. Nobody knows how to be chill and normal when talking about their own or other people's kids on the internet, except us. And that's why we felt like we should um, weigh in here. <laughs> um, I remember when I was when I was a kid, we were at the grocery store and like, you know, a bundle of us were all being pretty well behaved. Um, somebody would compliment my mom and my mom would be like, yeah, they're all right. And I would get so pissed, like 10-year-old Kyle would just be so mad that my mom was like, they're okay, they're, they're, they're fine. <laughs> and at some point, she just had to explain this to me that like, that's just a way that like parents brush off compliments, but you know, um, and it's funny because I, I, now I do the exact same thing. If somebody says something nice about Rory, I'm like, yeah, he's all right. Like, yeah, oh, nobody, nobody's ever inviting parents to gush about their children, or not strangers anyway. Nobody, I, nobody needs to hear it. Yeah, my line is usually like, well, I think so. <laughs> that's and, good too. And listeners can weigh in on if that's obnoxious or not. But I, I like it because it sort of plays off like, you know, it doesn't really matter what you think about my kids. Like, yeah. I'm having a good time over here. Anyway, all, all that to say there's a certain there's a certain language that parents have, a certain culture that looks strange to people from the outside or even to many of the people on the inside. And that, like, that seems to be what he was using and... It's interesting to see that nobody appears to, like, understand it. Yeah, it's really, it's actually really fascinating to me when the script you have in your head about what a parent should be uh, kind of rubs up against the script that um, either other people have or that you think other people think you ought to have and how people kind of hold that in the balance. Like, what what does the way I think I should interact with my children uh, look like to an outside observer is is a very <laughs> uh, difficult question, I think, and <coughs> people parent differently when they are being observed, I think, in, in a lot of cases. Um, 
you know, often the priority becomes sort of image management rather than relationship or connection, and that's understandable. <coughs> right. Excuse me. But you kind of get the sense that he maybe, uh, from the beginning here, conceived of this Twitter thread and, and what he was going to write about it. I'm not actually sure if he... He appears to have written the whole thing after it all happened. I don't think it was an up-to-the-minute thing. No, but this is definitely the kind of thing where you can be like, ah, yes, I'm going to force my child. Yeah, from minute one, he was like, <clears throat> I'm going to tweet about this. Get some good content. On online parenting brain is very, very scary. Yes, Which... you never want to be parenting for the content. <laughs> Not even once. <laughs> we observe scientifically for the content. It's very different, yeah. It's never curated for you people. That's the helmet guarantee. <laughs> well, all right. So on that note, though, I did hand Rory a can opener and a can today. Did you really? While you were running errands, <laughs> yeah. Um, because, and I, and I, I wanted to see what he was going to do with it. Um, uh -huh. uh, but I also wanted to, like, think about what I would, what mm -hmm. I would, how I would handle something like this. Um, and I said, do you know what this is? And he was like, I think it opens things. And I was like, what do you think it opens? And he like points to the can in my other hand. Um, <laughs> and so I hand, Einstein over here. I hand it to him. And the moment I handed it to him, I, I acknowledged that like can openers are not obvious. It is not at all clear. Like the guy said, what a can mm -hmm. opener is for. Um, and so he sort of like opened the can and sort of can opener and treated it like, like the can was a nut mm, and the can opener yeah. was a nutcracker. Right. And tried to like crush it. Um, and that obviously didn't work. And then he just started to use the two feet of the can opener as like hammers yeah. on the top yeah. of the can. Right. So like two good options. And so I gave him the first hint I gave him was that the, the little wheel, the gears were important. Mm -hmm. Um, and from there he got really close. Like he was just sort of like trying to connect it with the gears. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing, thing I told him was that the, you know, the lip around the top of the can was important. And then he like pretty quickly was putting the gears onto the lip of the can. Mm -hmm. And then the third piece of information you need to know is um, that the can opener needs to be at the angle that a can opener is yeah. at. Yeah. And, and that's a really difficult one to get. And the guy went into that a lot in yeah. the thread that his daughter kept trying different configurations of it. But the, the one that works is not what you would guess. You do not think that that is how that's going to work. Um, and the moment, the moment I told him which angle it's supposed to be at, he immediately opened it up, clamped it on and mm -hmm. squeezed. And the only thing keeping him from actually opening it is that his grip strength isn't enough to open a can. Yeah. Fair. Um, so anyway, that, this gets me to the critique, my real critique of this dude, which is simply that he wasted several hours on one problem when like mm -hmm. the, the key to learning anything or learning how to learn things is to like be confronted by as many possible problems as you can yeah, and get assistance. So you learn how to solve problems, right? Yeah. So not to get all nerdy about this, but there's a, a child psychologist from the early 20th century named, uh, I think Lev Vygotsky. I don't remember his first name for sure, but his last name is definitely Vygotsky and his like main contribution, um, that's been passed down from his work is something called the zone of proximal development. And he was, um, unlike Piaget, who's the other one from that area era that everyone remembers who, um, now Piaget actually might've taken, uh, John Roderick bean dad's side here because Piaget believed in a constructivist form of learning, which is that if given the right tools in the right environment, children can construct their own knowledge. And, you know, to some extent, Bean Dad proved that that, like, can be right some of the time. 
But Vygotsky uh, countered that with this zone of proximal development theory, which is that all learning takes place um, in a relationship. And it's a relationship between a mentor, who is either older or more experienced, and their mentee. And um, the mentor's job is to create a scaffolding to where the task at hand is um, too difficult for the for the child to accomplish on their own, opening a can, but um, not easy enough. Let's see, I'm getting confused. Not too hard for them to do uh, on their own, but not quite easy enough that they don't still need some help to do it. Am I saying that right? I think so. Too, there's a zone where it's yeah. easy enough that they can do it. They can own. do it themselves, and their input is worthless. They are the two sides of the spectrum. Yeah. So they need no help. They can do it on their own. In between is they and need then, some amount of help. Got and it. then there's too hard. And then yeah. there's in the middle this zone. They can do it if you give them the right guidance, and that that's the way the brain is most primed to accept this type of knowledge and is when it's happening in a relational context where you have this like trusted older person um, who's there to give you hints and like help you work through it. And there's, you know, evidence that supports the fact that children can learn both ways, but there's no reason. Yeah. When it comes to parenting, there's kind of no reason to let your kids struggle for six hours over something like this. The, the other big critique I saw that I think was most compelling to me was, um, about like children's relationship to food that if you're teaching them that food is a reward or that like if they're not smart enough they don't deserve food or whatever you're definitely not setting them up to have a healthy relationship with their bodies and food in the future and I agree that that's important I think that he made a bad call here that doesn't necessarily mean he is gonna set her up poorly in the future I think he probably felt like he couldn't back down once he'd said that he said it in a moment of frustration (laughs) probably thinking why can't you just figure this out like she'll have it in the next 10 minutes maybe he didn't think he would be sitting there for six hours um but I just think on that point maybe you don't tweet about it You, you kind of take that L privately and then maybe everybody could learn a little something about how to teach your kid to open a can of beans so I'm not ready to tar and feather him. I think that was a dumb move on his part, and he probably should have backed down from it. But I don't. Ultimately, I think everyone should just be chill and normal. Be chill and normal. Be chill and normal. It's the only way to get through this life. It's the only way to avoid being the main character on Twitter.com. And I think that's why I won't let Rory do more than 100 easy lesson a day. Because mm. I don't want him to be a nerd. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, he's only got, like, what, 20, 26 left or something like 25, that? 25, yep. 25? He can basically read. Yeah, so he'll be reading in less than a month. That's that's the thing. You, you, stick enough, you stick enough problems in front of your kid, you make them curious, they'll figure it out. <laughs> Speaking of getting kids, giving kids um, poor body image messages, <laughs> we're discovering that this Teach Your Child to Read book has some rather outdated language the fat. in their story. <laughs> the eagle is fat. He is fat, fat, fat. <laughs> I personally love it. I've become real uh, into birds lately. I got okay. some bird feeders for my birthday. Rory Drew has drawn some really cool pictures of eagles and owls and stuff recently. So I'm here for this eagle content, fat or not. I really like how the, the fat, fat, fat eagle 
kills the tiger that none of the other birds can stop no, by no, simply dropping non, on it. Non-lethally wounds the tiger. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Set eagles to stun. Right. The tiger was going to kill a baby eagle and the fat fat eagles. It's yeah, basically it's Rudolph dark. Red Red-Nosed Reindeer. It is. Right? It's dark, except the tiger is going to eat a baby eagle until the fat eagle knocks him out cold. It's cra- It's amazing to me that for a while a whole genre by just dropping out of a tree it's so funny yeah they were like you are fat like a rock (laughs) and and the and so they shunned the fat eagle but then the fat eagle didn't prove them wrong he proved them correct and dropped like a rock out of the tree onto the onto the uh, fox yeah or the tiger um i don't nothing but body positivity on this podcast there is a whole a whole genre that is like society may shun you because you are different, but if you can prove to society that your difference makes you valuable, that society mm-hmm. will accept you back in. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It's wild that that was a moral of any story, let alone like a popular let alone Christmas like movie. Most children's stories in the day. Yeah, yeah. The Ugly Duckling. <laughs> oh my god. There's a Richard Scary book that's about like going through the alphabet and like is. Like a is yeah. an apple or an automobile for eating, and the character that's doing all the eating is Hilda Hippo, and the story is kind of framed in that she might not know whether or not it's appropriate to eat like a boat or a banana or whatever, <laughs> and that you have to like guide her through it. <laughs> I didn't ever think of that subtext, but yeah, <laughs> Hilda Hippo at least is never shunned by anybody for her fatness. That's true. So we're gonna call that a win. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, we promised we'd do this in under twenty in under thirty. Oh yeah, so we gotta wrap it up here. Um, happy, happy New Year to everybody. The Helmics are undefeated this year so far. I've already baked five things in like three true. days. Um, we've rehung a curtain that the boys pulled <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> yep. I built a compost heap. And we're planning out our gardening. Yeah, using D and D software. I'm using a D and D map creator to figure out where the garden boxes will go. So look forward, look forward to excellent garden content. Yeah, we're gonna have some garden content. I started a birding journal. We're gonna have some more bird content. We're gonna we're gonna have a Yosemite trip in the summer, hopefully. It's gonna be a good year. Yeah. We're gonna get vaccinated sometime before December. In the next five years at least. Maybe. We'll see. Um, I was just gonna start digging through hospital trash cans. <laughs> I know, right? So uh, cheers to you, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And that uh, this year sees us more connected than ever. All right. Bye, everybody.